This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. AM570, an LA sports icon. Fred Rogan is here tonight. Decades on your television covering Los Angeles sports. Fred Rogan, huge in Los Angeles. The Dean. I'm the Dean. Fred Rogan. Weekdays before Petros and Money. A USC All American. USC's Rodney Pete. An NFL quarterback. Absolutely perfectly delivered by Rodney Rodney Pete. Available on the iHeartRadio app or on am570lasports.com. This is Rogan and Rodney. And we continue on the Friday show. Fred Rogan, Rodney Pete on AM570 LA Sports. Uh, Later on this hour, we're going to talk about a fictional coach. A fictional coach. A guy that plays a coach on TV in a very bizarre setting. And actually, when you think about it, this guy's approach, and it's fictional, this guy's approach is the same one that a coach has in this city. A coach that finds himself in a pretty tough spot. So we will get into that later on this hour. But now we welcome on our dear friend, the man that sits in the big chair. You love him, and so do we. We welcome Ned Colletti to the show. And Ned, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing good. Doing good. Okay, I want to start with something. And I'm just going to give you a quick overview. I'm not asking for your opinion on Trevor Bauer. I'm not asking for that. But I know Major League Baseball has extended his leave to September 3rd. Here's my question. If he is not on the roster by September 3rd, according to rules, is he eligible for postseason? I think everybody in the organization is uh, eligible for postseason. That's the way it's always been. Um, They may have changed the rules in the last couple of years, but my understanding is if you are on in the organization, not on the roster necessarily, in the organization, as of midnight Eastern, the 31st of August, you're good. Okay. So that would mean he would be eligible if the rules are the same. Correct. That cleared that up for you, Fred? Yeah, I was just wondering. Can we move on now? Yeah, no, I was wondering. I don't. I was just curious. Okay. I didn't think it was All an right. unfair question. That's good. All right, good. Let's talk about the good stuff, Freddie. Right? Let's talk about this weekend. Hey, 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 Ned. They go down there and they smack the Padres, kind of take the life out of them. We talked about it a little bit, how, you know, you get a guy – that, that you could have had in Max Scherzer, he goes down and, and closes the door on you to, to complete the sweep. That's got to be a gut, 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 gut punch for the Padres. Oh, no doubt. And, you know, they've been um, – they haven't played well for a while. But when you have well, – you have a series like you just saw against a team that you're, you're competing against and you're going 10 for 111 and you're leaving all these guys on base, you know, that's – that's kind of telling you the story. That's kind of telling you where you're at. Yeah, can they rebound in the month of September? Yeah, they can. But you, you watch that 16 inning game, and, and sure, the Dodgers had opportunities too. Dodgers ended up winning the game, though. San Diego had so many chances to just execute, be a little patient at the plate, not swing at the first pitch, kind of get the Dodgers into a little bit of, of trouble with runners on. Many times, runners on. You had the pitcher hitting twice. The bases loaded as, as time went on. You just saw it. It did not look like the same team that played back in April and May. And the season's long. The season will expose any weakness you have 
in your talent, in your health, in your character, in your perseverance. There's no way to fool it. And I think right now with 30-some games to go, I think you know San Diego is going to have to play a lot better to be a wild card team, to play. You know, right now Cincinnati's playing far better than they are. I said earlier, Ned, uh, you know, I'm not with the belief that the Giants are not smoke and mirrors, and everybody laughed at me, and they said, well, people came to that conclusion a month ago. I said I came to it yesterday. Either, <laughs> either, either way, Ned, uh, are you surprised that they continue to win like this? Yeah, I am to some extent, you know, but I give them credit. They have done everything they've needed to do. I think their toughest tests are coming. It's like any, any sporting event, whether it's a game or whether it's a season. To finish off a season as a the number one team in the NOS is not easy. And we'll see how they do in this last 30-some games. They played very well. They've got a couple tough series coming up right right now, really, going to Atlanta and then uh, got the Brewers. So you know, we'll see how they do against the best competition. I, it's tough to judge teams right now because you've got so much. You've got, a, in my opinion, you've got a pretty big disparity between those teams that can compete and those teams that can compete for a few innings. And, and they've taken advantage of those teams, like the Dodgers have, those teams that, that are short of pitching, short of bullpen, uh, on and on, you know. So, the Mets, which they just did, yeah. They can't yep. last. They'll, they'll fight you for a minute, but yeah. they're, they're not going to last. No, exactly. Game's too long. Yeah. Um, that, that, that being said, both these teams, you know, basically Giants and Dodgers control their own destiny. They're going to go head-to-head a couple more times, so they control it. I, I said earlier in the show, I, I prefer it that way for the way the Dodgers, <clears throat> you know, have had the injuries in and out of lineup, guys in and out of lineup. They've been up and down. They've they won enough to stay close in striking distance. They're hitting their stride now, and they they have to play with a sense of urgency for the rest of the year because the Giants are chasing the Giants rather than being and, and then go into the playoffs with with some momentum for this year. I I like that uh, as opposed to maybe being 15 games up. No no doubt uh, you. I would always want a team. Yeah, to be. Uh, I like to win. Don't don't get me wrong. I want to win the West even in, you know, in my GM days. But I want us to play really well. I want the presentation to be crisp. I want us to have some momentum, some confidence. I want the players that have been hurt to get to get kind of fine-tuned in and out of lineups, tough to come back at the, at the speed of a major league season, but to be as prepared as they can and really kind of kind of start to peak as you get in the last the last week or so of September depending on where you're at in the race. You know, we had a, a team a few years ago that you know they had a terrible September, but they had they had such a massive lead that nobody could could challenge them. You know, I, I necessarily don't like that. It's tough to I think to turn things on and off, but I think that the better they're playing right now and they've been terrific and, and as they continue to go through it and Colorado's better. Let's make no mistake on Colorado here this weekend. They've played a lot better of late. Are they good enough to compete? Well, we'll find out. But I think that it's good a good sign that the Dodgers have played as well as they have and gotten the contributions and with the contributions an infusion of confidence in the different players. There's a lot of guys that when you go back to early June or even before that, they weren't really on the board for this club. Now they're key guys. Uh, Ned, Gavin Lux, and Matt Beatty both sent down. I'm sure they'll be both back up uh, when the rosters expand. But for Gavin Lux, and Dave Roberts said he's going to learn to play uh, third, he's going to learn to play right field, uh, you know, and, and there's a sense that if, if Corey Seager leaves, 
then he might play shortstop. But for Gavin Lux, is the clock ticking now? Well, a little bit, I think. But I think it's I think it was a wise move to send both players down. Uh, as soon as your minor league season is over, they're up. So you're talking about a matter of days. Both players need to play. Both guys need at bats. They need. It's been, Gavin Lux really needs to, to learn a new position or two. So uh, tough to do it here. We saw Gavin Lux play third base for the first time in the big leagues maybe a week ago. Had a couple errors, made some really nice plays. But again, you know the game. The game is different at third base than is it short or is it second. So I think as much time and experience as they can get to kind of reset a little bit, the better. I mean, Matt Beatty's a quality at bat left-handed, but he's going to need at bats to get there. And now with Mookie back, you're not going to have that many at bats. So I think it's wise. Give them a week, whatever it's going to take to get their minor league season completed, and then bring them back up. But I I think it's a a wise choice, as usual, uh, for the organization to do what they do and to keep as many people ready as possible. Hey, Ned, I, w- I want to go back to the uh, to the free agent thing and Max Scherzer because I, I remember you saying this all along around the trade deadline. You know, guys are looking around. You're in the hunt. You're looking around to see who walks through that door, who's coming in to the clubhouse. And the Dodgers got their guys. They got Turner and they got Max Scherzer. And, and, and the Padres missed out. Um, the differences of that clubhouse and that feeling, as you have talked about, talk about that difference of what it's like from, from being inflated to deflated. Oh, good. It's 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 a difference in uh, in many seasons. Uh, Max Scherzer has been terrific, and, and he's probably been as good as he's been in years. And he's been really good for a long time. He has not had like a you know a step back or a, 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 any kind of dilution of ability or, or performance. And Turner, the same thing. You're talking about one of the top five, six guys in the game with unique skill set. You add those to this group along with Duffy. You you've got. You make such a difference in that room. You're talking about a great team, a great team that just added a stud pitcher, an excellent player that is going to add so many dimensions to your club. Postseason, you got tighter games, perhaps. You got Trey Turner hitting. You got to be different. You got to pitch him different. He gets on base. You got to continue to keep that in mind. Game changers. San Diego, meanwhile, made some nice moves, and I give them credit for for you know going all in during the off season. But when they see, they know what they're up against with the Dodgers to begin with. And then they see who goes where. And Max Scherzer really kind of dictated where that trade ended up. You know, he wasn't going to go to San Diego. He was going to come to L.A. So, you know, they can do all they can with, with Mike Rizzo in Washington. They can't, they can't change Max Scherzer's mind necessarily. So I think it's a, another difference maker. And look how, how San Diego's played since the 1st of August. They have not played well. And it might be just weariness, might be a lot of different things, but it didn't help them to lose Scherzer, Turner, and have Duffy end up in, in L.A., no doubt. And Matt, Psychologically, uh, it's very important. And, and, and Ned, uh, I found it really interesting, given what you just said, that the Padres obviously were getting to the point of desperation. They had to do something, so they fired the pitching coach. Now, why would you fire the pitching coach? What Veteran pitching coach. Yeah, I mean, with 30 games to play in the season, what what, what difference is that going to make at this point? Yeah, I, I hear you. And then you watch the way they hit, and it's like, wait a minute, you know, did I did I read that wrong? Um, and I, you never know what goes on behind closed doors, so to speak, and you don't know what the personalities were like. Larry Rothschild is considered one of the best and smartest and most accomplished pitching coaches in the game. You know, he's like like Rick Honeycutt was. 
And so it, it's, he's got a unique way of doing things. Now, did that always mesh with what the manager wanted or what the front office wanted or what they thought they could get out of their pitchers? Maybe not. Maybe the philosophies were different. And for a while, you put up with it. But when things start to go upside down, you know, people look to, to make changes, make moves. You know, I, I was surprised by it. Uh, no, not, no, I've never worked with Larry, but I know the reputation and I, and I know the study of what he does. And I was I was a little bit shocked by that. You know, is the Snell season? You know, forget the other day against the, the Dodgers where he was excellent. Is Snell season's Larry Rothschild's fault? You know, are these other things his fault? You know, somebody's always got to go. I get it. I was one time. You know, I, I had to go, so to speak. So, you know, sometimes it's just a change in philosophy, a change in in a voice, and things like that. But. Uh, I was I was taken aback by that, especially when you watch the best that we watched for for three games and probably what thirty four thirty five innings. They scored a couple few runs. You know that that to me was not a pitching issue. Hey Ned, I want to you know in terms of strategy going forward, they got they got the Rockies obviously tonight and this weekend, and then and then Atlanta comes to town, and then they got the big series up in San Francisco next weekend. Do do you try to line it so that rotation? Is is just what it was in San Diego, where you got Urias, Bueller, and Scherzer uh, pitching in those games, or you just kind of let the rotation take care of itself? I know you got Atlanta mixed in there because you know they're they're a good quality team too, but the but the the the, the, the series that could put them in first place is next weekend, and, and do you try to align your rotation to match that? Uh, if it's possible to do it, yeah, you do it. You know, you you need to take everybody into consideration. Uh, they've done a nice job keeping everybody, uh, the the big three healthy. I mean, Urias had you know got hit on the calf with a pitch. I think they were looking forward to that to give him a start off. Actually, who knows? But I think that if you can do it, uh, you do it. If you can give somebody rest, uh, maybe an extra day to kind of line it up. Yes. Do you put somebody on short rest in order to do it? I don't do that. But if there's a way to do it by giving somebody an extra day or giving two guys an extra day and lining it up, absolutely. But we you have to we always have the other side of the story too. That doesn't mean that, you know, if you're facing Atlanta, for example, that you're gonna move everybody back one and throw a bullpen game and get beat. You have to measure right. each situation as you can because that game counts too. Now the ones in San Francisco are gonna count too because it's you know, you you you'll gain one or lose one and the other team will do the opposite. But you got to also take care of the day right in front of you. Yeah, and that being said, you know, you have the Rockies coming to town, and you pointed out, well, yeah, they're they're better than they were. And, and given the fact that the Dodgers do have Atlanta coming up and the Giants, uh, and given their, the way they're playing, do you think there's any possibility of a letdown or because of the way they're playing the way they are right now, they just keep firing on all cylinders? I, I think that they continue to, to, play, to play great. I think the... What they've also done here, which I think is such a valuable attribute to any organization, is when we talk about depth all the time. What depth does, it gives you somebody else to play for somebody that's hurt or somebody that needs a day off. But by virtue of that, they've added competition. They've added so much competition to a tremendous team. I don't care who you are. You want to play. You want to compete. And you want to have that chance. And now when you've got... 
uh, you know, if you're missing a player or two because you're going to give them a day off, it's not like you're going to somebody that's had hardly any at-bats and can't contribute. You're finding contributions throughout the lineup, throughout the bench. Look at McKinney the last two or three weeks. So I think that is another byproduct of their philosophy and what they've been able to accomplish. They have competition, and I think that whoever gets a chance to play on any given night is, is riveted to that opportunity that night, and they know the standings as well. I think everything that would go into an athlete, a baseball player's mind to compete at the highest level as you hit in the, the end of August and the beginning of September, this club has. All right. Well, we appreciate you coming on as always and uh, setting us straight. Ned, you have a great weekend, and we'll chat next week. You got it, gentlemen. Be well. Have a great weekend. Really, in my mind, Rodney, you may agree. We're going to talk about one of the best shows on television or streaming right now. And it's funny because there is a coach in this city that apparently has the same exact philosophy as a coach on TV. Not worrying about the wins. We'll talk about it. If you missed any of Rogan and Rodney, you can podcast it on the iHeartRadio app. Rogan and Rodney. AM 570 LA Sports. That's right, Rodney Pete, Fred Rogan. On a Friday, we don't care. We don't care Friday. Nah, we don't. So, Rodney, a couple of years ago, NBC acquired the rights to Premier League Soccer. And to launch this, they came up with this ad campaign. They hired Jason Sudeikis, who's a really funny guy. He had to cut his chops on uh, Saturday Night Live. And they created this fictional character named Ted Lasso. Yes. Ted Lasso, in, in the promotion, was an American football coach who, for some reason, was hired to go and coach soccer in the Premier League. And the commercials were really, really funny. So that's how they launched the coverage of soccer, and now it's on Peacock. Jason Sudeikis and his writing partner say, you know something? That wasn't a bad idea. We're going to write a show. We're going to write a show about Ted Lasso, this, this American football coach that ends up coaching soccer in the Premier League. So they write it. It sits on the shelf. And then Apple TV says, yeah, we're interested in this. So they buy this show. And it's really well done and very funny and also poignant. It's a great show. And the deal is Ted Lasso was coaching at like a, a, a middle American school here in the United yeah, States. Yeah, I believe in Oklahoma, yeah. Is that what it was? I think so, yeah. Yeah, and somehow... Somewhere in the South. Right. Got that accent. Somehow, some way, this team uh, actually wins here in the States. So there's a woman that owns this Premier League team in, in London, and she's going through a divorce. And she believes that her husband has just been a complete you-know-what. And her goal, she gets the team... But she knows more than anything, destroying the team will hurt her husband. So out of the clear blue, they hire Ted Lasso to come over and coach the soccer team. Trying to lose. Trying to lose. Yeah. Right? Because she knows that'll get her husband. He gets there and he's kind of this aw shucks, gee whiz. Everything is positive and optimistic. And he brings his assistant football coach with him. 
and now they're going to coach Premier League soccer. They don't even know what it is. Right. But they hire this guy because he's just this magical guy, and they show tape of him dancing in the locker room after his football team wins here, and he, he's like a complete dork. So they hire the guy, and they bring him over there. And they find out right off the bat they have a news conference with the British media, and you think they're tough here. They're tough there. And they ask the guy, they say, you know, coming into a team and it's losing. And he basically says, oh, I don't want to, I don't worry about wins and losses. No, that's not me. I just want to create this, this sense and this feel and everything will take care of itself. Everything will be fine, but I don't care. Win or lose, eh, that doesn't mean anything to me. Which, of course, what does that do? The people lose their mind. They just hired this coach and he comes here and he goes, I don't care if we win or lose. And by the way, they start and they lose all these games because... He doesn't know what he's doing, and his philosophy is just be happy. Just show up and be happy, and everything yep. will take care of itself. All right, so now it's in season two, and it it's great. Uh, it is so good. Jason Sudeikis is, is so, so strong in the role. Uh, everyone, the whole cast is fantastic, and it, it's just so much fun to watch. So what ultimately happens? Somehow, some way, long-term, People start buying into Jason Sudeikis, Ted Lasso as the coach. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, they start to turn this thing around. But really, the last thing he's doing is talking about soccer. Right. He just tried he's to make a life every- coach. Yeah, he's a life coach. He's a life coach, right? Yeah. He's just trying to make everybody feel better. And uh, including the owner, including making her feel better. Yes. And she falls for him, not romantically, but she falls for what yeah. he's doing. Right. And all of a sudden, everybody loves this guy. The team is playing so much better. They're having fun. The fans have embraced him. And it's a it's a great it's a great show. Uh Ben Bolch at the Times, he'll come on in a little while, wrote a piece today as UCLA gets ready to go and kick their season tomorrow against Hawaii. You'll hear it here on the radio station. And for Chip Kelly, uh it, it, you know, it's like make it or break it time. He came in, they paid him a lot of money, and the team has been mediocre, to be honest with you. Not great. Right. Mediocre. And, you know, Chip Kelly came with a hefty price tag and also success in college football. So Ben Bolch is talking to him about this upcoming season. He basically has the exact same philosophy as Ted Lasso. <laughs> I'm not so worried about winning and losing. I'm not worried about that. I'll take care of itself. I want to create a culture here. I, I want everybody to feel a certain way and play a certain way. The wins and losses, nah, that'll take care of itself. I thought, oh, my God, Chip Kelly's Ted Lasso. It's basically the exact same thing. It, uh, that's a stretch, but, I, yeah, no, I, I get what he's trying to do. He wants to change the culture, and that's what you got to do first and foremost. We've seen this, and, and you got to be you got to be in a situation where they're going to allow – the time to be able to do that. You know, for instance, we, we, we talk often, even when Benny comes on about John Gruden, is he on the hot seat? Well, he was hired to change the culture of the Raiders. Why he was given that 10 year contract is to change and, and Mark Davis has said it, this is not going to happen overnight. So we want to change the culture. I, I get it for Chip Kelly, but now after three years, that culture needs to be winning. That's what the culture needs to be, Fred. You can change the culture all you want, but 
but winning is is at the end of the day the ultimate goal and you have to do that otherwise you're not going to be around long enough to keep that culture going yeah but but this is going into year four now yes and uh you know in three seasons not not so good but for the guy to openly say you know what that'll take care of itself we'll just yeah when's the law ah yeah we want everybody to feel good we want everybody to be on the same page i i have never heard a coach in this country say that yeah. I'm not going to worry about that. That'll that'll take care of itself. If the objective is to win and that's how you get paid. I I've never heard that before in this country. <laughs> I'm not either. I'm not either and 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 of course he was, you know, that's uh, you know, you know, of course he wants to win. Of course winning is important. Uh, he's not, I'm, I'm sure, you know, if they were the 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 record was reversed he would have said, yeah, it's important for us to, to keep on winning. But the fact that they have, the record has not good. Yeah. You can always say, well, you know, right now it's not about winning. It's about culture change and all those things. No, it's about winning. People get fired because they don't win. Absolutely. It's about winning. That's something he just said to brush somebody off. In your years of playing, you ever have a coach say that to the, to the press outwardly? Yes. But internally, no, it's about winning. Same thing with Chip Kelly. He doesn't believe that all oh, winning not important. He wouldn't be a coach. He wouldn't be a coach anywhere if that was his philosophy. Uh, we are going to have Ben Bolch come on. We'll do it in a couple of minutes here and, and get his thoughts because he talked to Chip Kelly and that's what Chip had to say to him. Uh, Rodney, do want to pass something along. Heard it earlier. Now have it confirmed that uh, as far as Trevor Bauer goes, first, they have extended his administrative leave to September 3rd. Mm-hmm. All right. We asked Ned Coletti, does that mean you can't be on the playoff roster? And his indication was, if you're a part of the organization, you can be. You don't right. have to be on the active roster. At that date. At that right? date. Yeah. I, I, I still don't think we're going to see him pitch for the Dodgers again this year. But the up- At the date of when the playoffs start, at the date of when, when your playoffs, playoff roster has to be set. Yes. Right. At that date, right. if he's part in the building or a part of the organization, he can be on that roster. Correct. But I, I, I don't think we're going to see him pitch again this year. The Pasadena Police Department has completed now its investigation. We have this confirmed. And they have presented their findings to the district attorney's office. So the way this works is, okay, the police have wrapped up their investigation. They give it to the DA. The DA will evaluate and decide now if charges will be brought. So now it's in the hands of the district attorney to determine if there's enough evidence here to uh, charge Trevor Bauer with sexual assault. And that that confirmation came about 10, 15 minutes ago. When are they going to release or come out with it or we'll know more about it? They have not what, said. I know it's complete, but what does that mean? That means now it's up to them. Mm-hmm. It's up to them. And there's no, uh, there's no timetable on when they will make that determination. But you would have to think. It was interesting that it's, it came right a week, what, a week after the restraining order deal they were waiting for that obviously to see yeah and you know, right and and you know why yeah because everybody everything that was said at trial in that yeah. case which actually seemed like a criminal trial but it, it really did. wasn't yeah everything that was said can now be used in the investigation so by hearing what was said that also helped the police in their investigation uh he was placed on administrative leave i believe it was july 2nd yeah, 
July 2nd. And to get administrative leave means you're not playing, but you're getting paid. So he's still getting paid. But now the DA has it. They've extended that leave, Major League Baseball, to September 3rd. I would think, although I don't work in the DA's office and I have no background in this type of thing, you would want to make a determination on that sooner rather than later. The thing has gone on. It's had a national profile. I would think the DA there would look at it and come to some sort of conclusion to at least move it forward one way or the other. And oh, we, without, Yeah, without a doubt. And we, we should also caution this. Regardless of what the Pasadena district attorney determines, that does not influence Major League Baseball's investigation. Major League Baseball is a private business. Yeah. You work for Major League Baseball, therefore... You know, they have right. rules and, and policies as well. And you, yeah, exactly. So you can be, he can be found not guilty in the, in the criminal case, no criminal charges. And even with what we saw in the restraining order where the judge did not grant an extension to that, not guilty on all counts, but major league baseball can still hand down its own penalty internally. Right. And so what would that mean? So it means as first, he's still getting paid. So the only thing that's not happening is he's not playing now. If baseball comes forward and says, we conducted and concluded our investigation and we we believe that you violated one of the provisions of the collective bargaining agreement, they can then suspend him. And if they suspend him, he will not be paid. Okay, so let's say baseball suspends him for however long, if that happens. Then, when he comes off suspension, it's the first time the Dodgers can then react. They have to wait for MLB. So if MLB comes forward and says, look, we investigated and there's nothing going here, now the Dodgers make a decision. If MLB comes forward and says, we have determined that there have been some violations here uh, and we're going to suspend you for X number of days, at the completion of that suspension, then the Dodgers come forward. So what does it mean? It means that it's getting closer for the Dodgers making a decision. That's all this means. It's getting yep. closer for the Dodgers to decide what to do with Trevor Bauer. So next on the agenda, Pasadena DA, and fingers crossed, they don't want to make, and here's the last point. Given the nature of this and the profile nationally, they don't want to try a case that they don't believe they can win. Exactly. They do not want to because the public believes that something should happen, they're looking at this legally. And they are not going to take a case to court that they don't believe they can win. So if it goes to court, they believe they have enough evidence for a conviction. Otherwise, they won't take it to trial, Rodney. No, you're right. You're right. They've got to get a winnable case in order for it to happen. And we see that all over and over again. And there are certainly a lot of questions in this, whether it was consent or not. But as to your point, Fred, you, you said this all along. It's kind of hard to unsee what you saw already. Yes. Even if it was consensual and that both parties were agreeable to it, just the visuals of it that someone did that to someone else makes it tough. Hey, Chip Kelly, I'm not worried about winning and losing here. Never heard that before. 
I just want everybody to have a good time. I want to create a culture. And if we create that culture, everything will take care of itself. You buy that? Well, Ben Bolch, talk to him. We'll hear from Ben next. Dude! No! This is it. It's over. The end of summer. No! It's over. But the start of football. He puts the football over that line. Touchdown, UCLA. The UCLA Bruins kick off the season playing host to the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. Came here to play football, man. Tomorrow, join us for Bruins Countdown to Kickoff beginning at 10 a.m. on L.A.'s home of the UCLA Bruins. AM 570 Thanks for LA joining Sports. us on your ride. Thank you very much. Yes. Speaking of which, traffic. AM 570 KLAC, 98.7 KYSR, HD2. Los Angeles. Available anywhere using the iHeartRadio app. Bringing you LA's best sports talk weekdays, noon to 3. Rogan and Rodney. Yeah, coming back to my girl, her. Feeling Rodney beat Fred Rogan on a Friday that we don't care. We don't care, but we care about wins, Fred. Yeah, we do. UCLA football's home opener is tomorrow at 12.30 when the Bruins host Hawaii at the Rose Bowl. Tickets start at only $25 by visiting uclabruins.com slash tickets. You can also hear the game right here on your home of the Bruins, AM570 LA Sports. Well, Chip Kelly, year four, they've got to make some big improvement. Ben Bolt of the Times talked to him. Had some interesting things to say. Ben, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Okay. So Rodney and I were just talking about this. Uh, have you seen the show Ted Lasso? I have not. Okay. So Ted Lasso. <laughs> is highly American, recommended. Oh, it's the best. Okay. It, it really is the best. It's on Apple TV. Ted Lasso is an American football coach that is hired by a, an English soccer club. And initially, the thought process is the, the owner of the team wants the soccer club to fail because she's going through a divorce. So they bring in this kooky uh middle conference American football coach to coach soccer. Well, he gets there, and he has a very different approach. And the approach is, I'm not worried about wins and losses. That doesn't matter to me. I want to build a culture. I want to build a system. And if I do that, eventually we're going to play well. So I read your piece, and I'm thinking, my God, Chip Kelly is Ted Lasso. I'm not worried about wins and losses. I I don't care. I'm going to build a system and a culture, and everything will take care of itself. Is that who Chip Kelly is? I think yeah, that's uh, some great parallels in there. And, and now you got me wanting to go uh, immediately go to my TV set after we're done here. Yeah, you've got to watch it. <laughs> I mean, just talk about Chip Kelly's mindset and what his objectives are. Yeah, he wants to build, you know, he, he said his, his culture is, he, he calls it books and ball. He wants guys who love football and love academics. And I think that, as he said, that was one of the things that drew him to UCLA over other places was that, you know, number one public institution in the country and a lot of potential for football with uh, a lot of the resources that they've put into it over the last, you know, five years or so, where they've made major upgrades in infrastructure and things like that. So he thought that it was kind of an ideal situation to get into. Obviously, we've seen the results on the football field, but, you know, as I think more about it and, and look at what this team might be able to do this year, they could be on the verge of, of getting those results as a, as that, the, you know, that he thinks will eventually come if he continues his process. 
Listen, I'll I'll be honest from a from a USC guy. Uh, when he was hired, um, I, I thought it was good for UCLA, and I still do, um, because of where he came from and what he built at Oregon, and then having experience in the NFL, and then realizing that and coming back, coming back to college, and almost kind of was like uh, Pete Carroll a little bit coming back to college and then going back, but. I know you want to build a program and you want to build the culture, but in day and age, you got to win at the end of the day. You got to win and you got to win, you know, sooner rather than later. How much pressure is it is, is on him after three years now of what they have and now coming into this year? Yeah. I mean, I think the patience factor is, is, has run out, right? I mean, they've been pretty patient with him. They basically wrote him a blank check for everything he wanted to do. You know, they're spending, we've written about, them spending so many millions of dollars a year on, just on food, right? And they've got the beautiful Wasserman Football Center. Uh, they've got all these amenities. And, and you're right that the uh, you got to start winning now. Uh, you know, UCLA fan base has been patient. I think the patience is, is worn out. And uh, as I wrote in my story, one of the factors that's going to determine its future as much as wins and losses is the attendance at the Rose Bowl because – if you recall, in 2019, they, they had a record low average. I think it was like 43,800 and something fans per game, which is just not cutting it uh, for major college football. So they got to they gotta not only win, they got to build some buzz, and they got to bring some excitement back to UCLA football to, uh, to keep Chip Kelly. Yeah, they do. Too bad they can't get a, uh, get a stadium close by. I think that affects them a little bit, playing all <laughs> yeah. the way out at the Rose Bowl quite a bit. It doesn't have to be 100,000. Even a 60,000-seat stadium, I think that would be great for UCLA. Um, how much of a difference? You know, it's a different animal, coaching in Oregon. You just talked about the amenities and Wasserman Center over at UCLA. You know, Oregon is top-notch, right? Nike didn't just put a whole gobs of money into it is best in the country um you you have all that and plus oregon's the only show in town up there in oregon now you come down to la and you're battling not only you're battling against usc which in football has been king in this town and everybody cares about usc football uh, you're battling the rams and the lakers and the dodgers and everybody else in town uh it, it's got to be a little bit different for him coming from from where he was in oregon to to ucla well, I think, you know, in, in an odd way, that's probably a draw to Chip Kelly, right? I mean, he could walk down Rodeo Drive and, and who would who would know who he is, right? <laughs> you compare him to LeBron and some of these other megastars and Chip Kelly's, uh, you know, relatively anonymous. And I think that would, you know, that may have been a drawing factor for him. You know, Florida was one of the other places he was considering. If he goes there, uh, you talk about pressure and having to win immediately. It's a whole different ball game over there, and so many demands on his time for boosters and things like that. So I think the, the actually the, the LA landscape. I, I think Chip Kelly found that attractive, and that you know he could kind of just fit in and do his thing and, and take his time. But the flip side of that is, as you alluded to, there's so many competing factors for the sports entertainment dollar that you know UCLA football has got to do more than it has to, to get a, a foothold in that. And that's what we're seeing now. So, so he's really got to win and win big now to get this thing turned around. Okay, and Ben, the question becomes, Ben Bolch of the Times, our guest, does he realize that? I think he does. You know, he plays coy with me, and, you know, I ask him about pressure and expectations, and, you know, he'll always come back to we're trying to have a good whatever day it is. That's his mantra. But I, I think he knows. I mean, he, he would uh, – I think he would, you know, acknowledge it, you know, if 
I mean, let's get down to it, right? I mean, he's gone 10 and 21. Uh, I, I wrote it. He's made $1.21 million per win at UCLA. <laughs> I mean, that's just absurd. So not bad I money. Think he knows. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, he, he knows. I mean, this is, this is kind of like the put up or shut up year, right? I, I think, uh, as I wrote in there that there's no hard threshold for wins, but as I think about it, I think, uh, you know, nine plus, I, I think he's pretty safe unless, you know, there's something odd going on and, and the Rose Bowl stays empty at that point. But I don't think that would be the case. But I, I think nine wins uh, puts Chip Kelly safely into the he'll be back in 2022 category. Okay, so that brings up two things. First, uh, it's a little pricey to buy him out, right? Second, if he can't accomplish nine wins, at least early in the season, he's got a favorable schedule. Okay, there are both of them for you. Yeah, I mean, the $9 million buyout that expires on January 15, 2022, I mean, his his agent really stuck at the UCLA with that, right? I mean, uh, you know, the coaching carousel is pretty much done long before that. So if UCLA is going to make a move, they're going to have to get really creative and, and maybe get him to ag- agree to leave quietly uh, and then announce it, uh, you know, after that, that date or, or do some kind of negotiation. Uh, but and then on the schedule thing, you're right. It does set up. I mean, it sets up very favorably for them uh, to start off with a lot of success. You know, they've got Fresno State and Hawaii. They've got that tough LSU game at home. Uh, but you know, then they've got Stanford and and Arizona early in the uh, Pac-12 schedule. Those should be those should be wins. So um, yeah, it does set it sets up for like one of those you know five and two, six and one starts, and then they've got that incredibly tough stretch where they're at Washington, Oregon comes to Rose Bowl and at Utah. I think that's going to be kind of the make or break stretch for this season. If they can win at least one and, and, and maybe two of those games, I think that's, that's the stretch that's going to push them into eight or nine win territory. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think another thing they might have going for them, as we're, we're seeing, uh, especially across L.A. and across the country landscape, is people are eager to get back outside to go to sporting events after missing it last year. I know the folks at USC are, are excited to get people into Coliseum, and I'm sure the same thing with the Rose Bowl. So they got to get off to a good start to keep them there. Um, and speaking of that, uh, on the field, uh, you know, they've got to ex- – you know, experienced, athletic quarterback. Um, he, he's got to take the next step in order because in all of Chip, Chip Kelly's success in offenses, there's there's been a lot of speed on the outside, things like that, but the quarterback's the guy that makes him go. Uh, how do you see him playing this year? You know, I think he's already kind of quietly established himself as one of the best quarterbacks in the Pac-12. I and mean, if you look at his, it was a, you know, it was a weird five-game breakdown last year but he played really well outside of that first game against Colorado where he had a couple of turnovers and that's that's been kind of his his one bugaboo is the turnovers I mean his uh his completion rate his touchdown interception ratio is has gotten better every year but you know he really needs to cut down on on some of the fumbles and and some of the the passes into into coverage that he's thrown and if he can do that man he's he, he could be not only a top Pac-12 quarterback, but in the uh, national discussion for one of the best quarterbacks. So that's what I see there. And then, you know, with Chip Kelly, they're always going to have a really strong running game. This year, uh, you know, they lost Demetrius Felton, but I think they're going to not really lose a step. They've got Brenton Brown, the the, uh, graduate transfers back, and then Zach Charbonnet from uh, from Michigan coming in. So I I think this offense is going to be really, really potent. All right. Well, let me tell you something, Ben. Today, you were really, really really potent with us. (laughs) I love it. 
Hey, go watch Ted Lasso. Yeah, watch Ted Lasso. Uh, yeah, go 